0: But you're glad you have the Lord today. He is with us through all things. He's given us his helper, the Holy Spirit. He has not abandoned us. He's not left us alone to fend for ourselves. The world is in trouble without Jesus. But our focus is on Jesus. Whatever happened last week or the week before or the months before is in the past. The good news with Jesus is that we can have a new beginning every day. His mercies are new every day. My my text is in 1 John this morning chapter 1 we're going to look at these verses. Observing this wonderful letter to the believers. How many know that believers need encouragement? Yes, amen. When you're a believer today, you're a target for the enemy. You become a target for the enemy, enemy to, to try to confuse you, to try to hinder you, to try to discourage you. You'll come at all kinds of angles. And we are here to stand firm. At the shield of the faith, extinguished the fiery darts that he hurls at you and I. The disciple John was eyewitness of many miracles that Jesus did while he was on the earth. He starts this letter, what was from the beginning, what we have heard what we have seen. With our eyes we beheld our hand, and with our hands we handled. I think John was probably reflecting perhaps on the moment when Jesus performed the, the miracle of making a small boy's lunch feed 5,000 people, multiplying it over and over again. Jesus uses small people, (laughs) amen. He, He uses children to build his kingdom. His eyes are on the sparrow. He knows the number of hairs on our head. John is reflecting what we see with our eyes nothing could take that away that image the images that the disciples saw nothing can steal that away from their hearts the miracles the blind eyes being opened, sick people beginning to walk lame beginning to walk again people that had leprosy being restored you'll never be the same when you're in that kind of environment Let me hear, I'm here to say today that Jesus is still the same. He's still opening blinded eyes, still healing the sick, still casting out demons, still taking people from where they're at in their deep, darkest hour, bringing light and hope into their life. It does not matter what your past is. With Jesus, there is newness. There's a new beginning every day. So we read on. The life is manifested. We have seen and bear witness, proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. What is What John is saying, that he walks with the Father as he walks with Jesus in the help of the Holy Spirit. They are in fellowship, they are in sync, they are in harmony with each other. And you and I, God's desire for us is to walk with him in harmony. Walk with him, walk with him. Be led by him. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people are hungry for some fellowship these days. There's a void. We're not meant to live isolated. We're not meant to live and do and try to do it all ourselves, whatever it meant. But God has come to give us the fellowship that he has for you and I. And thank God for Christian and brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters and friends that he gives to us to help us walk through this life. You see, there's prob- there was a problem with with John's uh, this, this this group. They had been they had been someone that but went around trying to teach them other things. There was this big word called Gnosticism. It's a big word that really just doesn't really connect with us this day. But there are some things that they had this kind of a thinking that they didn't really believe that God could come down in the incarnation that God really couldn't come down and become flesh. Or that there was actually another uh, God that was involved in the creation. This this whole thing of Gnosticism was running rapid, rampant in John's day. Satan has a, a, he, he has always been trying to mislead people in the truth. He's always been trying to Try to get people confused. Try to get them to believe something extra that is applied to the scriptures, which really is not. We must guard our stand and guard the word of God. Keep it in your heart. The problem here that John begins to discuss is that he talks about sin for a while. And he's talking to the believer. And he's talking to people who know God. And he says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh can we say thank you Jesus for that verse. Thank you God for the for the cleansing. Thank you God that when you convict us, you love us. You can love us because you don't want us to walk in sin. You don't want us sin, actually, as the Bible says in Romans six twenty three. the wages of it is death. That's why we're in the mess we are in the world. The sin problem that started in the garden. You see, it started way back then when they were commanded not to eat of the tree of good, of good knowledge of evil. Knowing that they would know right, and they would have known otherwise. They didn't need clothes in the beginning because there was no, there was no part problem with that. But as they ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they discovered they were ashamed. There was a shame that came over them, there was embarrassment. And they ran and hid themselves, but God himself came down to that garden. Isn't God good that when we sin, he does not leave us or abandon us, but he goes after us, seeking, calling us back into a right relationship with him? Sin separates us from God. James 1:15 says, When lust had conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Let me talk to you about two kinds of death. It really is two kinds of death. There's a physical death. As we know, this is this is what uh, God himself, Jesus himself overcame, resurrection, the power of death. And it lost its grip on him. He, he conquered it. But this whole spiritual death thing, this separation from God, this spiritual death, this Paul described in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins and trust. We were dead. He's past, past he's talking to believers. We were dead. We were uncaring about the things of God. We lived for self. We lived for just the day that we live on this life. We just live. We tried to get it all in. We were uncaring about our brothers and sisters. We were uncaring about people around us. We were those in those types of situations that... The sin was, was, was fun. It was whatever, whatever felt good it was okay. And that's what happened in the days of Noah. And they became so careless, so far from God and his ways. God says, I'm a, I wish I wouldn't have made man. That's a horrendous verse in the book of Genesis. The sin problem is serious with God because God is holy. In order to approach God, we need the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts. And so I liken it to this. If believers sin, they feel this. They ought to feel this shame. And no doubt, you will feel this shame. And the thing to do about it right away is to confess it The thing to do about it is not to try to hide from from God. That only makes it, prolongs it, brings you further and further away from him. When we sin, and we do, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. There's no man, the Bible says, no man is without sin. And so we understand the problem is sin, but Jesus is the solution. The good news is the gospel came to seek and to save that which was lost he comes to seek the sinner out he comes because he loves those who are without him and who do not understand his ways and he keeps going back and keeps going back and with the help of the holy spirit people can be drawn into a right relationship i liken to i liken it to the if people continue to sh- sin and go on their own way, they, they get out of fellowship because they're afraid to, to come to God. They're afraid to talk to God. And let me just say this. When sin is in, in, in our heart, we have a hard time praying because we haven't dealt with it. But when we deal with it, then we, we, can, we can come to God. He's there for you and I. He's there, but we don't even want to forgive ourselves. When we, don't, when we have a hard time forgiving, forgetting, God says, come to me just as you are. Let me heal your heart. Let me heal your situation. Bring it to me. And so we read these verses, and we say, thank you, Jesus. The truth of the matter is I cannot save myself. The truth of the matter is I cannot live good enough to ever become righteous enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A truth of the matter, no matter how hard I work, no matter how, how, it wouldn't matter if I don't have Jesus, it's not good enough, but thanks be to Jesus who helps us every day to live. You see, the enemy is quick to judge, the believer. A lot of times I think he comes to the back door if he can and try to get to us in some way that even when we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel like we're not doing enough for God, we've got to stop ourselves to stop that thinking and begin to say, you know what, Jesus died for me, there's now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. And to begin to take that word and begin to live that word out, and you begin to begin to—you know what the Bible says in Romans: you don't have to sin, you don't have to bow down, you don't have to—you don't have to become a slave to this the old sin nature because of Jesus Christ who lives, and the spiritual death and the spiritual shame will only keep us sinking deeper and deeper. But, oh, when I see Jesus, when I see his outstretched arms and the cross that he bore for you and I, I think, oh, my God, how could I turn from you? How could I not come to you when you've given it all for me? Your blood is enough and will be enough for all my sin as I walk in fellowship, as I walk in right. There's no greater life to walk is to walk in fellowship with God. No greater life. There's no greater peace. There's nothing that will fill our, our void, our emptiness. And we make sometimes, we, we may feel like we've, we've failed God. We may feel like we've come short. And the idea is, yes, you have, but God. But God being rich in mercy and love is come toward us. In verse 2, read on it in this second chapter, we see a, a kind of a rather large word. And he himself, well, let me back up to verse 1, chapter 2 of 1 John. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Notice how he he shifted from, we say we, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Now he shifts to my little children. I'm writing to these things to you that you may not sin. The whole idea of grace is not to see how far we can get away from God and get away with it. The whole idea of grace is that thank God he's come to rescue me and keep me from going the way I would otherwise. Keep me from the hour of temptation. By the grace of God, there goes I. Someone said that. And so that same grace that saves us, that same grace keeps you and I from not wanting to go the way. Thank God for his convictions. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And so what he's saying, if anyone sins, if you fall, if you slip, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You turn to Jesus, you run to Jesus. Not like Adam and Eve who ran away from God. To hide themselves, of course, they were ashamed. You notice that story, God took animals and he, he, had, to, he had to kill an animal to get the skins and cover their nakedness. It's, it's almost like a type of Christ. There was very early in the beginning of Genesis, something, someone, something had to die. And see, the Bible said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is a price that only Jesus' blood could pay. So this whole word, this big word that's coming up in the New American Standard Version, you may have something different. But in verse 2, it says, He himself is the propitiation. What in the world does the word propitiation mean? It has to do with being satisfied. It satisfied God the Father. Jesus' blood was the only thing that could satisfy that could complete. Because the blood of Jesus, unlike the blood of bulls and calves that they were offered in the Old Testament, the blood of Jesus cleanses away the sin. Old Testament, the blood covered their sin, but it did not remove their sin. They had a guilty conscience that would linger. And the good news about Jesus is, And the help of the holy spirit as we walk in fellowship he begins to heal our minds and begins to heal us from our past mistakes and you know what that is such a wonderful thing to know that god doesn't give up on us we may stumble we may fall but we need to get up again and say, "Oh Lord, I, uh, the wonderful." I didn't look it up. There is a wonderful verse in the Psalms that talks about the one who walks with God. The God has their hand, and He says, "When He falls," He didn't say "if He falls," but said, "When He falls, He will not be hurled headlong." In other words, God has their hand, and He's li- leading them back as they're looking up toward, and the and the key here is that if they will look back to God, God will not, of course, will never force anyone to go where they do not want to go, but God will love them back into fellowship. It's, it's an interesting thought that people wonder, well, if I sin, I used to think this way growing up, if I sin before... You know, I could make it right. Well, I? I would miss. I would miss going up with Jesus. And I, I, you know, I think we can. I believe there's enough scripture that we could we could go on. You know what? God is. He knows we're never going to be perfect, but we're striving to walk in fellowship with Him. And that hurt the whole word, the word fellowship. I want us to just kind of take that home with us because. If we're, if we're walking with him and we're in fellowship because the Bible says even to know what's right and not doing it is sin, well, then how will I ever be good enough? It goes back, it's not by our works. For by grace you have been saved. So then we understand, well, how do I know then I'm really going to be saved? You look toward the end of the book of 1 John, it And I I love these verses because it it, it really helped me in my walk with Christ to settle it. And in 1 John 5, verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. The witness is this, that God has given him given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. What is it saying? If you believe, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you have the life. You have Jesus in your heart. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe, now, I know we can go to one extreme. Well, a lot of people just have a belief in God, and they don't know God. And I think that's a serious situation because we're all in, all called to know God. But I am not the judge because the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And at the very moment in the last breath of life, one could be saved. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But I, we are, not, we are not, not encouraged to live that way. We don't know if we'll have a moment. Why should we risk? Why should we throw away? Why should we try to just get in by the skin of our teeth when the grace of God has called us to live better, to live beyond just getting to heaven? He's calling us to live with fellowship. And Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God there's no question I believe that when we enter into a right relationship with Jesus there's the question is settled I'm convinced he is my salvation not me not how much I perform not how much good I've done here's the deal we're saved by grace But because of grace saving us, now we want to do good things. Get that squared away now. We don't do good things to get saved. Right? Good works will never save us. But because of God's grace and he saved us, now we think differently. Now we say, what can I do to help advance the kingdom? What can I do to encourage someone else? I can't keep quiet about this. Isn't that what Jesus talked to disciples about before he went back to heaven, is go and make disciples, go make other believers. Go tell them about what you've seen. Go talk about what you've heard. Go talk about the relationship that you have with me. That's what he's talking about. Make disciples, live it out. And it becomes a wonderful way to live. You're not looking, wondering about, well, i just sort of kind of coast my way in. You know, Hebrews warned, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews warned about be careful lest you drift. You're talking about a boat that. <laughs> shifted, drifted, of course, and a person can become slack, become comfortable, become kind of nonchalant, non-complacent, comfortable with what's just going on, and we're not pursuing the things in God as we should, and Paul described in his letter to Philippians all this other stuff that I've ever accomplished, that I've all, all the things I've ever learned, all the things that I've ever accomplished are nothing in comparison to my relationship with Jesus Christ. That I might know him, he went on to write, that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. So Paul knew this other level even though it cost him suffering he was willing to do what Jesus was calling him to do you know this idea is that we walk in fellowship with him verse 7 1 uh, John 1 7 I did not read that it really it shows us again what the fellowship with one another is, but if we walk in the light and as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And notice this, and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. So we are blessed people. When we are walking with Jesus, he will, by the Holy Spirit, work on our hearts. You know what's great about our Lord? He knows how to say it without bringing us into condemnation. It's God the Holy Spirit. When we finally come to a place where we say, oh, yeah. I was selfish, for example. Or I, I shouldn't have said it that way. How quick he is to bring us to the side, so to speak, where he begins to reason. You know God is reasonable? He's not calling the us to do something unreasonable. He starts with you where you are at, and he continues with you until all the way to the end. You working and chipping away. God is always at work in us. Thank God for that. Otherwise there would be a whole lot of boredom. It would be a whole lot of no adventure, no hope, just a rigid God that stood there with a bat to hit us over the head if you mess up. Wow, that's not the image of my God that I have, but some people have that kind of image. And I want us to bring us, I want us to be brought in to that understanding today God is satisfied with you because of your decision to accept Christ. God is so pleased with you. God is seeing Jesus Christ in you. God is seeing the potential that you have in Christ to become more and more like his son Jesus. God is seeing the potential, even in those who you pray for that are not believing. God still sees the potential, and he hears the cry of your heart, and he himself cries out and intercedes for the saints. We learn that in the book of Romans. Jesus himself prays, intercedes for us. Wow, we have it we have it made. But what's happening in our world is, is this. Without Christ, we become demanding. We become expecting of things. We become slack, disthankful. We become self seeking. We become haters of good. We become lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, which Paul described that Timothy would happen in the last days. And these vexed verses in chapter two begin to deal with a, a brother to brother. If we say we love God, then verse four, the one who says, "I have come to know him, but he doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him what is he saying that's someone who just says I, yeah I know God I, I believe in God but they don't have any time for God they just go on and live their own life they don't keep his commandments the commandments don't mean anything to them but whoever keeps his word in him the love of God has truly been perfected verse 5 by this we know that we are in him the one who says he abides in him on himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. In other words, Jesus described people who, who even said, "I cast out demons and I you healed people in your name." And Jesus said, "I don't know. I don't ever. I don't know you." Well, what is that all about? That's a scary verse. See, I think what got messed up somewhere along the line with those. Particular people, they thought they were in private. Satan got somehow got in in the mix and began to do things that perhaps it was under Satan's power to deceive them. Somewhere along, something got messed up because Jesus knows who His sheep are, and the sheep know His voice. So there's back to this walk with God, this relationship. This is kind of like this is. Almost like I could say, this is elementary stuff. This is the basics. Verse 7, I'm not writing a new commandment, but an old which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light yet hates his brother is in the darkness. So this goes back to the fruits. Now I've asked myself this question. If I have trouble loving a certain person, a oh boy. Then I need to check my heart with God. This is I'm speaking to myself. If I have trouble forgiving. If I have trouble, then I need to take it to Jesus, take it up with Jesus. And ask him to speak to me, what do I need to do? What's going on here? Help my heart, oh God. So Jesus said in answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? The Pharisees tried to trick him and try to see if they could try to somehow come up with some kind of accusation to find some kind of guilt in them. Isn't that how the enemy works? It's just like the book of Daniel. When Daniel was praying three times a day, he kept it up even though, you know, there was someone else, the king. They had to make up a rule in order to catch Daniel doing anything wrong. And the rule is this. If you bow down to anything else other than this image, let me just say this. The world wants you and I to bow down to this image. The image of self. The image of self-pride. The image of of, of you don't need God. The world says this: look what we have done. The world says we gotta have we're rich and we're happy, but they're not. The world says, "Step on anyone and anyone, everyone who gets in your way to get to where you want to go." The world's, I'm too busy to help that man bleeding on the roadside, and the good Samaritan, who a Samaritan was never to associate, Jews were never to associate with Samaritans, with a Samaritan. Stopped. And took his time. Paid his out. Paid out of his own pocket. What did Jesus? What did he get angry about? He got angry about religious so-and-sos saying there's something they're not. What is the world? How is the world ever going to know the difference? I'm challenging myself. And you, of course. May we send a different message. It's as simple as the littlest things, you know. You know, I get kind of, you know, just like you, I don't want to walk across the parking lot to put that cart away. What if we start to think differently? Yeah, it's kind of. Kinda of hard, you know, but they, they hire people to do that. Well what if we started thinking differently and say, you know what, that that hired hand, he has to work hard, harder if I just leave where I left it, where I left, you know, just say forget it. Little things. do we why don't we take Jesus at his commands? And the greatest, the greatest. And the kingdom is a servant. Wow. Why don't we get excited? See, this is what the gospel does to us. This is what the person of Jesus does to us. It changes our inside to become what he wants us to be. i got to wrap it up. There's some of the greatest verses that have encouraged into our youth, right here, verse 13. I'm ready to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I'm ready to you, young men. Wherever you, young men or young ladies, wherever you're at today, hear this. Because you have overcome the evil Thank God when you begin to walk with Jesus in your youth. What a blessing. If you haven't had that privilege, start where you're at. Start now. Start now. It's not too late. Thank God. I'm convinced that God has given us all the power that is, we need to live above, live above the worlds. Saying we, we got to have this. We got to do this. We got to look like this. To be successful <laughs> and it's right here don't love the world I'm not talking about the trees he's not talking about the streams and the beautiful mountains not talking about the sunrise he's talking about the the world system world the enemy satan has a system and he's deceiving many people and we're here to speak the message in our lifestyle, first and foremost, and as opportunity gives rise. And notice there, verse seven, the world is passing away. Oh my goodness, the world system will someday be gone. But the one who does the will of God abides forever I'll end with that. It's a wonderful thing know that we can we can live differently we don't have to live bowing down to the world we can live above the enemy we can live with hope we can live with victory we can live knowing that we're on our way to heaven and that we're gonna reach out to other people around us and help them as well make that decision for Christ and if anything, the enemy would try to hinder us is our focus on the, on the main things. Keep our eyes upon Jesus. And i leave you with this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The not seen, we can't see eternal things, but the things which are seen are temporal. Everything that we see out here in the world is temporal. But uh, the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank God for we are convinced that we're just passing through. We're just pilgrims. We're to do our best. Anna, lead us in that song. I I believe I will build my life.